0: Welcome to another episode of This Catholic Life. Conversations about life's ups and downs, big and small, how we deal with every situation imaginable, whatever life throws at us, but still manage to be sensible, practical, and joyful. Today's show is manhood and masculinity. What is masculinity? Is there a set of rules for being a man or is it all socially defined in a world where masculinity has been called toxic? Sensitive new age guys are being pushed and manly movies, they seem to contradict each other. How do men be men in the modern world and particularly what does the catholic church have to say about this i'm your host peter holmes and today i'm joined by cormac mccann philosopher sports fan co-host and resident expert on manly things welcome cormac
1: (laughs) well we'll soon find (laughs) out i guess everyone thanks for having me yes i was gonna
0: say lad things but that that's gonna have a bad connotation later in the
1: the podcast yeah
0: especially because i live
1: close to western sydney
0: there you go And I'm very happy to introduce it to everyone, Jim Jankovic, um, one of the key organisers behind the Men's Ministry Network here in Sydney. Welcome, Jim.
2: Thank you, Peter. Good to be here.
0: Now, I met Jim um, when he invited me and we worked together briefly on one of the events in Sydney, which was one of the events for men talking about manhood and masculinity. And we had some very good discussions ourselves, but also that day was a fruitful one of great discussions amongst the men there, and I learned a lot from that day. So we've had lots of contact since then, swapping resources, and I'm glad to have Jim here today to talk about this topic, this huge topic of masculinity. Now, before we get started, just a reminder that if you like the show, you should subscribe on your podcast app, and that way you won't miss an episode. What is masculinity? One of the problems with this is that lots and lots of people think they know what traditional masculinity means. Um, but when you actually push a little harder and ask them the question, not very many people agree on this. So maybe I could uh, throw it out there, perhaps deferring to um, people with more experience and wisdom. Jim, what would you say was the idea of masculinity or manhood as you were growing up?
2: Yeah, look, that's, uh, for me, it's a difficult one. I was uh, brought up in an alcohol-fueled, violent, abusive um, environment and that certainly put the picture out there for me what a man should do, yeah, and um, uh, having converted to Catholicism when I was about 16 or 17. Sadly, I got the same message from uh, from the priest that uh, got me to be baptized in the Catholic Church. You know, um, my memory of that is there's a God up there with a big stick, he'll clobber you when you when you do something wrong. right. So in a way, for me, that was very comfortable because that's what I've lived through all my life. It's only later on when I came to um, when I met my spiritual director. I heard about this loving god and mary her mother how she could lead us through jesus and the holy spirit to our father and and that totally that was counterintuitive to really what i've learned as a child so it was a whole new process for me to to go to go from the doing things that men are good at. To the try to to being a man, being a being a child of God, and really getting in touch with that. Yeah. so that was a huge challenge for me to do that.
0: Right. So maybe I'll go from uh, one end of the spectrum to the other to our young and uh, Cormac. Uh, when you were growing up,
1: um, was it in Western Sydney? No, and I, you know, that's uh, very different. I grew up in the eastern suburbs, and it's and if you're from the eastern suburbs of Sydney, you make it very clear that you indeed live in the east and definitely not <laughs> from the west uh, and so and having you know moved now closer to that area i'm finding you know there's there's these old habits pulling at me but you know and then but being in the western sydney community it's just like oh all these rumors that we were told aren't true
0: <laughs> are you saying then that the idea of being a man is different even from the east to the west of sydney
1: Certainly, how we perceived ourselves as men, probably there were definitely. Could you describe them? Like, so you described what they said? Yeah, absolutely. So I I guess there's very much that the the cafe culture was really driving itself uh, ahead of its time in the eastern suburbs when we were growing up, and there was definitely a sense of uh, masculinity as being very much associated with the corporate world, very much associated with working long hours, being incredibly well-presented, sharp, shiny suit, um, driving a very, very nice car, You know, we could be a Beamer or an Audi or whatever, whatever have you, um, compared with the the idea, I guess, that we had in uh, of what how it would be conceived in Western Sydney, which is more, I I guess, with being a brickie, being a labourer, being someone on the tools more, um, someone who wouldn't be associated with the long hours, the fancy car, the fancy. the fancy suit or anything like that then of course these were just conceptions that we kind of came up with in our minds and uh and jim you know my kind of family upbringing was you know nothing nothing like what you experienced i've kind of one of ten children um eight boys though i'm the um one of the younger ones and so we i always feel very sorry for my poor sisters because they uh they, whatever conception of masculinity they had to endure growing up with it was full on and in their face all the time so <laughs> Uh, yeah, so very very different um, you know, to, to to what you experienced, but definitely we had these ideas uh, mm. uh, that yeah you know, of, of of wealth, power, success, and then as well as being very um, practical and outdoorsy, these kind of East versus West conceptions that we had.
0: Mm. I grew up in the country, so um, my dad was definitely a city boy who had moved to the country, so he'd made that move, and he was educated. He had a, two degrees. And he was a school teacher so he kind of didn't fit the country mold um but all the people around me you know to be a man was to, you know you had to you had to have a tractor or you know you had to be if you couldn't use a chainsaw you weren't a real man if you couldn't you know if you couldn't ride a could change a tire really, couldn't yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. Couldn't <laughs> change a tire so i had to learn to do all those things and and throwing a hay bale up onto the back of a, a truck as a you know a summer job was kind of your mark you know if you could do that you're all right you know and also but in the country, often uh, drinking beer and um, playing football and punching other people became a kind of a mark of manhood too. Like the, you know, if you didn't drink beer, which we didn't, because I was a Brethren, and you know, if you drink alcohol, you go straight to hell. If you're a Brethren, I'm I'm only slightly exaggerating, <laughs> and um, <laughs> and so we didn't, and therefore I was a suspect in my in my masculinity, and and I was often. Uh, asked if i was gay because i would do a number of things and this comes back to something jim said i would treat women with respect because that's the way i was raised i would not swear with the guys because I, I happened to be um the brethren were big on no swearing not so much now that i'm a catholic but anyway um <laughs> the um i didn't We'd like swear to
1: demonstrate it. that a bit on the podcast but we get bleeped <laughs> out
0: <laughs> we i didn't swear i didn't um play sport because brethren went into that and i didn't treat women as if they were objects so we were taught to treat women with respect now that made most of the men in my area suspect me you know you're you're not a real man kind of thing and whenever i called them out uh, when they were treating women poorly like like wolf whistling at them and saying show us your knockers or whatever they mm-hmm. said um i would call them out on and say really really would you talk to your sister that way would you talk to your mother that way and they, they then, of course, retort with, oh, you must be gay, which in those days was you know a huge insult uh, back when I was in high school. I don't know. I mean, they used to say things like, real men don't eat quiche, and I, I kind of liked quiche. <laughs> I still like <laughs> Where did the quiche <laughs> come from? What, what did
1: they have against quiche?
0: I don't know, but my dad used to say it all the time. I suspect, and maybe we can talk to Jim more about this, I suspect that our fathers have a vast proportion of our manliness comes from our understanding of our upbringing and our fatherhood because my dad, his father had died when he was 12. And so when I got to 12 years old, he was kind of wingier. He didn't really have a role model. And then um my parents had divorced um after when it was, certainly after I became an adult. But it still has a profound effect on your understanding of masculinity when you're when your role model you, that, that first time when you realize my role model isn't perfect. In fact, they're far from perfect. So, Jim.
2: Yeah, look, I can very much relate to what you're saying there, uh, Peter, because I didn't meet my father until I was 15, and we came out uh, from Germany, came out to Australia sort of thing. Yeah, And I don't think he even knew that I was born when he left Germany after the war, because wow. being Polish, he was a prisoner of war, Yeah. so he had to leave. And it was just interesting... Um, meeting your father he was probably in his 40 45 or something like that you know i was 15 so couldn't speak the language couldn't speak a word of english his his german was very very poor so it was very difficult to communicate and um it uh, we never really bonded in a way because we could never talk you know like communicate really but i remember there was this great a uh, guy across the road from us in this country town and that's that's what made me think about this um coming from germany a major city hamburg going to a country town uh you know in the in 1965 with no toilet inside yeah no shower
0: yeah Wow! and that was a culture shock i tell you it wouldn't work in eastern sydney would it cormac
1: uh, no, we, we wouldn't stand <laughs> for that
0: <laughs> <laughs> but there was this
2: uh great gentleman like he was an elderly guy elderly guy he was probably in his 50s or 60s and he was known as pop around the neighborhood everybody knew him as pop and he was just this gentle soul and and after my sexual abuse there he he saw obviously that there was something moved in me and he sort of tried to get it out of me but I was too embarrassed and too ashamed to talk about that but he just... He was such a gentleman. He just led me to the faith. He said, "Look, come to the church with me. Come, come with me and pray and and whatever you know. Never forced me. He just was this beautiful example there. And and I remember reading about um, Saint Therese of when she talked about her father. She said when she saw her father pray in church, she could see God. Yes, and." This is how this man was for me. He was just this beautiful role model that showed me how you can have a relationship with God. He was just so relaxed and peaceful, talking to God when he went to church. You
0: know, so that so was, it's kind of he's showing really that fatherhood doesn't have to be biological. He was a, he was a father figure.
2: He was a spiritual father to me. Yeah, yeah, and the only man that never really wanted anything or abused me or or, or whatever. Yeah. Right, but so just this beautiful soul, and and that stuck with me
0: all my life, really. Yeah. Wow, it's a powerful story, Jim, and and I have to say that most men who um, have any kind of balance in their life can can trace that back to either their own father and probably, you know, men who have acted in that godly way and the genuine the thing is you talked about there was peace and gentleness. Now that's an interesting yep. image that contrasts very much with this idea of men as being rough and violent and powerful. And, and in a sense, our modern reaction to that has been a little bit problematic in that they've tried to soften men to the point where you know you're only a real man. Now we we should talk about getting in touch with our emotions, Jim, because that is a big <laughs> deal um, in response to, to the sort of crisis we're talking about. you're talking about your father having coming out of the war years, that that not being able to talk about that and work it through emotionally must have been incredibly traumatic. Um, Look, and, and that's where, yeah, sorry, that's where Divine Providence again came into my
2: life. You know, I didn't know any of his story. I didn't know any of that he had brothers or sisters in Poland. I didn't know any of that. And about 10 years ago, I just sort of had this urge to go to Poland to to trace his history back. And and I, I went on Heritage, that uh, site, to get, try and get some information. And look what i found out there peter it's just amazing like he only had four years of schooling he wow. went through f- he went through five uh, working camps like in 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 the war through the war and i've never saw him in that light you know right. and i got tremendous respect for the strength for the courage that he must have had to live through that environment five working camps
0: yeah. And I I think, though, Jim, when we talk about toxic toxic masculinity, and that's where I do want to go now, and there's a lot of talk out there about toxic masculinity, what we're looking at is the end result of a lot of trauma playing itself out in men's lives. Um, now, I'm not trying to make excuses, particularly for young men who really haven't had the same level of trauma as, say, your father has, but there's still a genuine um problem in australia and in most of the western world the statistics of male domestic violence are just frightening now there'll be someone out there no doubt looking at the stats that'll tell us oh but women assault men in the same rates as men assault women that's true men are actually much more violent at it though and we tend to be and i don't like to use the word you know better at it but we unfortunately men do a lot more damage with their violence and spousal Murder has become a massive problem. It's a huge problem if you look up the stats in Australia. Male mental health has declined rapidly over the last decade or so. And there, there is still a deep underlying problem. And we're only going to mention this and not deal with it in detail on this show. But pornography has created a an, a massive problem in the minds and attitudes of young men in particular, but also as people are getting older, because they look to that. Um, for the thrill or the escape of it and they it ends up shaping their understanding of relationships Um, we had a show a couple of episodes ago where melinda tankard Rice talked about the profound damage that pornography is doing to people's ability to even have a normal human relationship with anybody else let alone a woman let alone you know their own friends etc this toxic masculinity seems to come from people who are unable to find healthy, good, true, beautiful relationships, beautiful things. And it seems to at least be partially coming back to the fact that we haven't trained men how to deal with their emotional struggles, with with their um with their own identity. So Jim, you look like you're ready to <laughs>
2: Yeah. Yeah, look, I mean, I, I totally agree with that. And and my um my um work at Holyoke for over twenty years dealing with uh, families dysfunctional families who have alcohol workaholics sexaholics or whatever in their family that really brought that out for me you know and and just to hear so many people uh saying there they did know their, they didn't know their father they knew nothing about their father what his passion was what his fears were you know, and that really got me going on this on this uh, journey to men's ministry there because I think us guys we need to get out there and tell our story, no matter how hard it is. Yeah, yeah. Because there's something in there. That's that's what we that's what makes us today.
0: Yeah, and that's part of a powerful part of your ministry, Jim, and the ministries you're involved in is that it's men telling stories to each other, and it's not just about um, your own biological father that's very important of course but it's the stories of all the other men who've come through and, and wounded but still still kicking however the, I, I just want to make it clear just in case anyone's listening to this there is no excuse for violence there's no excuse for losing yourself and harming those around you in addictive behaviors there's no excuse for those things we don't want to ever sound like we're excusing them but getting to the root of the problem is the way of helping people deal with that
1: um, and I think that's a great yeah. point, Peter. Touching on the, the the root cause. Something I just will add in here is a, a lot of how um, this discussion about masculinity and toxic masculinity has taken place on a very public, corporate-driven platform. That you know we're trying to reshape the conversation, and let's instead of identifying you know, the the root causes of you know things we see uh, i see anyway plenty of advertisements or uh, or campaigns that just simply say no no you just got to change your behavior in this way you know because <laughs> that's what the problem is ultimately you know and there's no it's, it's 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 amazing how you know shallow it is and that's just i guess uh, a consequence of maybe you know that it's a corporate advertisement and you know it's kind of this we've got to get on this virtue signaling bandwagon where it's like no no we're in the right we condemn this wherefore for this but yeah, i just would love to hear your thoughts jim about um how we talk about the the root causes because corporate culture driving it isn't really i don't think having much success
2: it it is not there but just going back to some of the stories that i've heard over the years from men you know and I think because we we are doing people, we live in our heads very much, and the ego is very much part of us, of, of our being, if you like. Many men, or, or the men that have understood that anger is a feeling, it's not an action. You know, when it becomes an action, it's abuse. But for men, for men to understand that they need to own their anger, it's a feeling. Yeah. And, yeah. and whatever lies behind that needs to be processed and that's a difficult journey
0: that's a really important point you put there anger is often a secondary emotion it's it's in response to some hurt or injustice or frustration yeah. or all those things and you're getting to the you know firstly owning the the emotion doesn't mean acting on it as you said but owning the yeah. emotion means to step back and say what's under this what's the cause that's And right. how do i actually that's get right. to that But a lot of men I've spoken to, Jim, feel helpless because they actually don't know what a good role model is. They don't. And part of the frustration is lots of people are telling them manhood is a bad thing. You being a man is a bad thing. Uh, Don't trust men, typical men, you know, all those kinds of boys with toys, you know, all those kinds of things. It's coming at men, but nobody seems to be presenting them with a positive, good, true and beautiful model of masculinity. I don't know, Colmack, I don't know if you grew up with positive role models. I had a similar story to to Jim's, that there was an, a gentle old fellow in our congregation as I grew up in the Protestant church who was just amazing with people. Uh, he just did things for people constantly. When he died, we found out how much he was doing because, you know, there were about 20 people in the neighborhood. We found out he fed every day. His wife made a pot of soup wow. and he went around and fed them every day. Um, and he'd given away most of his wealth by the time he died. So, just a profoundly good Christian example. And what about yourself? I mean, for young blokes growing up, what's the positive male role models?
1: Well, I think it's a great place to take this conversation because, you know, we can try and identify lots of instances of, you know, negative expressions of masculinity, but yeah, what does a good one actually look like? And I uh, feel very, very fortunate, very blessed even to. Um, be able to point to several really high quality men who have been there in my life at really critical junctures um junctures where it was like i could i've got to decide am i in this am i in um, is my faith real or am i just going to say walk away from it because i can't float like i'm currently doing you know not really living it genuinely or not and just to have someone you can you admire someone who is, you see that you go, well, they're so intelligent or so wise and they've probably wrestled with what I've wrestled with and they're you know, 10, 15 years ahead of me down the track. If they've made that decision and that's you know where they've gone, well, how do i get there and how do i work out how you know what do i need to do to, to to get there and and having the courage to have those conversations i think one of the big things with with men is that we've got to show that we've got it all together all the time you know that no there's no cracks in the armor you know we've you know we're together it doesn't matter what storms are raging inside as long as we put the big dome over the top it's yep. show a big rosy picture it's like we're, we're good and you and I think fine, you can do that. I think it's fine, you can do that. But as long as you've got that one or two people, could be more, but those those men in your life that you say, actually, I'm prepared to say, I'm not going so well here. You know, yeah. You don't have to the walls, the wheels don't have to be falling off. You could just say, look, I've realised I've got this chink in my armour that I'm not, I'm not handling yeah. so well. And just yeah, so identifying someone uh, that is, is was very powerful for me.
0: But it takes it takes guts to. I mean. What, what I've noticed is that the strength issue with masculinity is a big thing, and often men associate emotions with weakness, as in if you show your emotions, if you talk about a wound, it's a weakness. Whereas I've found it's I need more strength to be honest about how I feel than than just to clam it down. To clam it down is a is like a a retreat. it's a kind of cowardice really. For example, and it, it, I'm, I'm actually t- – feel my throat tightening up even as, as I'm saying it. Um, this week was the anniversary of my father's death. It's only been two years. I still feel it. It's still irras- it's irrational because I he's, he's been dead for some time now. I've come to grips with it. But when the date comes around, I get affected by it. I'm shorter of, you know, patience. I'm all those things that come with – and I, as Jim said, I've got to own that. I've got to actually realise this is something that's happening to me now. Where does That's it come right. from? It comes from the fact I miss my dad. I, it hurts. Yeah. And I, I should just admit it, tell my kids I miss my dad, maybe be honest enough to shed a tear occasionally, um, and then just get on with life. And it's like rather than it having a toxic effect on me, a good thing, in fact, missing my dad is a good thing. Tears are liquid love. Yeah, they, They're powerful, but it be, if I can own it, it takes strength to own it, though. It takes strength to own up to it. Not necessarily to go all mushy and gushy and and fall apart, but to literally own the emotion and step into it and go powerfully, this is part of me and I'm not ashamed of it because it's a strength and it's because of love.
2: Yeah, And, and it's a big, big risk when we do that, isn't it? Because we don't know how that's going to pan out for us. You know, we're very good at sort of showing our strength and our masculinity and all that. But once we get into this vulnerable area, into the being, that's that's strange. That's foreign. We for don't us. like showing yeah?
1: not being in control, in total control <laughs> yeah. of the outcome yeah. of the process. Yeah, yep.
2: and yep. and that's where I love this this beautiful little saying by uh, Mohandas Gandhi. You know, many could forego heavy meals, a full wardrobe, a fine house, etc. It is the ego they cannot forego. And I think that's in a lot of cases. That's our big a
0: big huge problem for us and i just love that saying yeah it's funny as as i was growing up though i was taught that being able to fight was important because you had to be ready to defend you know good true and beautiful right you had to be ready to stand up and fight for what's right that's the way they said at the time fight for what's right you know most of my life i haven't seen men fighting for what's right i've seen them fighting to protect their own egos um, yeah so yeah, I, exactly. almost every fight that I saw at school, every fight that I saw in a bar, almost everything, there w- it wasn't a bloke fighting for what was right or good. It was always about he had to step up because that was about the ego.
1: Mm. Yeah. So what does authentic yeah. masculinity look like in taking up the fight? Because I like it. I really like the <laughs> idea. of there is, there is a, a courage we're called upon to exercise and in a world where you know we're talking about trying to aim for what's true, what's good, what's beautiful. There are counterfeit you know ways of living that. so I want to know well what's the fight look like? I think Jim
0: gave us a clue right at the beginning with that with the old fellow that was safe. Firstly he was a safe space from all the violence and yep. all the abuse around the world he was a safe space now why was he a safe place because he'd won the most important battle which was against himself he had control of himself he had control of his emotions not in the suppression sort of control but he knew himself and he was he was right before god and he could he could peacefully be a safe place for other people now he, as a husband I am the most pressing threat to my wife because I'm I'm the guy in her relationship, the one she's most vulnerable to. It's not saying I'm a violent person. I'm just saying, literally, the people who are most vulnerable to you are the ones closest to you and the, most, the ones that require your love the most. And so controlling myself first and being in, uh, not suppression, but comfortable with and open with my emotions enough to not let them turn me into a monster, is the best way to defend her and then after i've got that mastered then it's possible for me to spread that <laughs> peace outwards from from that central core into being a a safe place for others and protection from others who aren't in control of that
2: yeah look i, I totally agree with that and and sometimes too you know this this inward journey for us it's a very difficult one you know we we are sort of we've been given this curse in a way of the of the urges of the lower drives and desires that's a curse that we've been given
0: now when you say that jim you're talking about not just the sex drive but the, the drive for power and contesting and yeah and being yeah. you know fighting and and wanting to win yeah. all the time that kind of thing
2: yeah yeah. Is that controlling us or are we able to control that? And I think that's a that's the journey inside, inside of us. Yeah. And that's where I love the saying by uh, St. Thomas Aquinas there about the order of being is the order of action, you know? Right. If you never go deep inside of yourself, you will always act out of your head, out of your ego, out of your yeah, lower drives and urges and desires.
0: Yeah. Right. So would you say um the whole, I mean, I think the drive thing can actually work positively for men. You, you have, if I'm passionate about justice, if I'm passionate about caring, yeah. um, what yeah. was it that drove the young me in the locker room as the smallest kid in the entire locker room of the gym class um, when someone makes a, a lewd a reference to one of the girls in the class that I stand up for and say, you can't treat a girl that way. That's not right. And then get myself punched in the face many times <laughs> over the years. <laughs> I would still stand up though. And it was because I had a sense, a drive, a genuine sense of justice that can't be yep. put mm. out there.
1: Which translates into the bigger causes as well. You know, there are That's good right. fights out there. We need good men, you know, good men and women, but you know, good men in particular to to get out there and, and kind of really be standard bearers force. And I'm I'm definitely not not against, you know, shying away from that kind of thing and getting into the contest. I'm happy, Cormac, to say we need more good men out there fighting
0: and not because we don't need women but because, generally speaking, they're actually out there already fighting for these causes. And what the ones missing at the moment are the men sitting on our butts, either too scared to stand up because we get told off or <laughs> we're, we're just lazy <laughs> and we're, or we're broken we don't know what to do. So, honestly, men, in calling men to action, I'm not saying women aren't in action. I'm saying most of them are already on the front line doing something good. Um, we need to step up. When it why why is it that they're arguing for against pornography why is it they are arguing against abuse in family situations why is they are the ones arguing for better respect um on the streets in the workplaces in the sports arenas all those things why aren't we on the front line being the safe space for starters and then stepping up and holding our mates to account and i think that's a big thing that we hold the people around us to account not not in a nasty way because everyone's no one's beyond redemption everyone can come back to to a good place but holding them to account, say mate you can't do that that's not the best you that's not the best community we're talking about there
2: yeah that that's right there peter and i mean i've had this experience where this the the image of pop comes up to me sometimes when in when i'm in that sort of situation you know and i just recall how gentle he was And, and and you can move mountains with that gentleness you know
0: Yeah. But that yeah. gentleness was strong, though Jim, wasn't it? It was a strength oh, yeah. that people around him could Absolutely. gather to and Powerful. cling to.
2: Powerful, yeah. Yeah,
0: yeah. that's kind of the name, really, to be so strong that your strength is something that people feel safe in, not yeah. because you're violent, but because that strength no. is so gentle. I mean, my kids could play with me when I was a, a, a when they were quite young. They could crash into me. And we could, you know, they they could throw themselves at me because my strength was so much greater, and they knew. I would never hurt them. Never. And yeah. mm. and that was the that's the the security of that kind of wrestle play, especially with the boys with dad, was yeah. very much about that security and and testing of strength against this quite gentle uh, strength. So yeah, I, I guess I mean we've kind of skimming across the top of a lot of good things, and I think we need to come back to this topic and talk about how men talk to each other and how we get out there and what sort of resources are available. For those of you who are wondering, um, especially about Jim's ministry and other things that are out there, we'll put a a lot of those things in the show notes, and you can go to the show notes and click the links there and find where those ministries are in Sydney, but also around um, the linked ministries around Australia. One of the key questions I'd love to talk about more in another show is how do we raise strong young men? Like how do we, if we've got boys, how do we bring them up to be um, loving, caring, um, and gentle strength uh
1: in those men and that's
0: that i think it's a yeah. big thing
1: i'd love some guidance on that too you know i'd have to I'd be avid, avid listener to it because you know i've got three boys and yeah it's they're, they're tough questions I, i'm certainly feeling my own inadequacy in doing it i have no idea how to deal with this so yeah i think yeah, i, I think jim's love that
0: given us a, jim's given us a bit of a clue there with get our pop on i think we need to be pop mm. <laughs> well i'll tell
2: you what i've got two daughters and four granddaughters yeah and and that just puts puts you in a totally different perspective there about bringing up children i believe yeah because uh, uh, uh you're just drawn into their their gentleness into their their way of being sort of thing which is contrary totally contrary to uh to how boys are being brought up now yeah. just recently my, my uh, the the latest addition to the family is two years old it's uh it's a boy and wow i tell you what uh that's a challenge you know like if i compare <laughs> that to the two girls <laughs> growing up and all the granddaughters yeah and having a boy there now how different that is yeah just the dynamics are so totally different and it's yeah. just very enjoyable for me just to be able to put some of these things into place and and be there for him
0: I was going to say, more power to you, Jim. You channel pop, and and really, what we're yeah. doing when we do that, we're channeling Christ—the the the, the we are. incredible we are. power and strength that Christ that took Christ uh, to the Garden of Gethsemane and to the cross uh, to take on. I mean, imagine the power and and self mastery that would have taken to take on everything that was the consequences of all of our stupidity and onto himself. And that's the model we have. Uh, we probably should explore that in another podcast. We definitely need another one on this, but that's all we have time for for this week's podcast if today's discussion got you thinking i hope it did or arguing um with your podcast device let us know seriously do let us know we want to revisit this topic um, and hopefully get the others back and we'll continue the discussion but you can subscribe to the podcast at thiscatholiclife.com.au and you can tell us what you liked and what you didn't like either drop us a line at info at thiscatholiclife.com.au or hit us up on twitter instagram facebook discord and you can find all the links in our show notes write us a review on iTunes, get people involved. This is a uniquely Australian Catholic podcast. We think that's a great idea. Before we go, we say a quick hello to everyone. Cormac,
1: you're up. I'd actually like to do a little uh, hello to, to my father. Um, he probably doesn't listen to this podcast, maybe, but he probably doesn't know what a podcast <laughs> is, um, if I told him. Uh, and uh, yeah, so but, but I think it takes a real courageousness to be open to, to life and I'm I'm the seventh child of eleven actually. Um and to get down that far basically I, I kind of owe my, my life and his openness and his yes and his courage uh, very much to him and and it, and it's not just to say, yep, oh, you can have a child, but you raise that baby, you know, in the context of a lot of others and a lot of challenges. So um yeah, very grateful to him for and owing a lot to him for the man I am today. So yeah, definitely want to say hello to him.
0: Cool. Jim, would
1: you like to say hello? Yeah, look,
2: I'd just like to um, congratulate the Bishops of Australia, the Australian Catholic Bishops' Conference, for putting on this wonderful uh, virtual men's gathering on the 15th of August. I think that's long, long overdue, and, and it's, it's, I could only encourage men to partake in that, to go on to their journey and to learn about uh, their relationship with God and Jesus and Mary and all that, you know? And and uh, if you are interested in, in doing a face-to-face situation, there are seven parishes in the Sydney Diocese, uh, Chatswood, Eastwood, Enfield, Menai, Bonnyrick Heights, St. Mary's and Fairfield, where you can actually watch this in fellowship with other men and just listen to what the speakers and the bishops have to say about men, how we should step up and
0: Right, be accountable. It's a, yeah. good, a good thing happening here in Sydney. But have a look around if you're listening to this uh, in Australia or around the world. Also, have a look around your local area. There are always men who are worth seeking out. The ones I've sought out are along the lines of Jim's um, pop, and they usually aren't self-promoting. They're the old guys who are just plodding along, being a really good, humble guy. Go and find them. Yeah. Go and find them. Sit go at go to the feet, pub, learn have a some beer. wisdom.
1: Sit down. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> if you don't and like beer, drink,
0: drink Canadian clubs. I hear that. my um, my shout out is to all the pops in my life um, all the people who've gently and humbly uh, led by example less words more actions like St Joseph that's all for now thank you for listening to This Catholic Life